Welcome to chapter 19 of The King's Secret. By morning, I felt somewhat normal again. I didn't want to eat, but Torkin insisted and Alfred made me a plate. I picked at the eggs and sausage, really only wanting the orange. Torkin saw what I was doing and snagged more fruit from the breakfast bar. After several kiwis, bananas, and some strange thing called a rambutan that I was completely in love with, I'd begun to feel better. It dawned on me that my diet had changed immensely. Esta saw it too. Dang, Owen. Esta laughed as I peeled another rambutan. That's a lot of fruit. How much of your human soul is left? Very little, I admitted. I saw it last night. It's ready to leave. I hope that goes smoothly. Lena sipped her orange juice. It's death, Lena, Mora stated. It never goes smoothly, speaking from experience. Different topic, please, Torkin shouted. He was still highly uncomfortable with the plan. Sorry, they mumbled and returned to their meals. I looked about, then asked. So, what does one do on vacation? The majority of them laughed, but Carlin, Torkin, and myself were genuinely curious. But seriously, though. Carlin asked. What's the plan? We're going to bed, Mora laughed. Skiff and I explored the island last night. It's really quite lovely. Want to go for a hike? Emily offered. Sure, I stood, clearing my place. It might be fun to venture over to the Fay Village. I'd been curious about it since John had mentioned it. Oh, Alfred set his coffee down. Dad's in the greenhouse with a few workers if you want to meet them. Yeah, I smiled. My nerves from yesterday had subsided. I was thinking beach. Esta offered Carlin an alternative. Catching some rays and all that. You catch them? I'll reflect them. The leprechaun poked fun at his complexion and the group laughed. Alfred and I ventured to the greenhouse a few minutes later. The moment we entered, John and several others looked up. I'm not sure how, but I instantly knew that there were nine fey in this giant terrarium, even though I could only see four. The stranger thing was that it felt like my fey energy had multiplied from their presence. I felt powerful. Alfred carried on with his father jovially, completely unaware that I had stopped. I'd locked eyes with an older male. Somehow, I could tell he was the leader of this group of fey. He was studying me intensely. I allowed a small amount of my energy to escape from my pores, and he dropped the beaker he'd been holding. Only now did the two humans realize something had happened. John and Alfred turned, glancing nervously between the two of us. Even our pixies were on edge. His small orange familiar floating nervously beside him, Mine, sitting calmly but rigid on my shoulder, ready to pounce if needed. I strode forward, a strange confidence flowing through me as I did. When I reached the other fay, his astonished expression had turned into joy. He let out a breathy laugh and offered me a bow, and I returned the gesture. He shook his head in disbelief. How is this possible? It's a very long story. I smiled, and the tension in the room dissipated. 
Never thought I'd get to see that again, John said aloud. Owen, this is Atanui. He's the chief of the Island Fay, and freaky good with potions. It's nice to meet you, Atanui. I offered the other Fay my hand, and he took it. The second he did, his smile vanished, and he blinked. Like I said, long story. I knew he could feel the chaos that was my soul. Are you seeking help? He was genuinely concerned. Yes, I offered him a confident smile. From many reliable sources. Good. I wish you well, my king. He offered me another bow, and the fay around him followed suit. I was going to thank him when a group of small red flowers caught my eye. Alfred, is that what I think it is? I pointed, and his eyes followed my finger. Red comfrey, he exclaimed. Dad, is it ready to harvest? A nearby fay examined the plant. It will be in a few days. Its highest potency is just before the blooms begin to wilt. Can I have some, please? He was ready to drop to his knees, begging. <laughs> yeah, John laughed. Of course, it's a common herb here. Alfred was nearly in tears with joy. I just laughed. Isn't her birthday coming up? That would make a hell of a gift from the group. You? Alfred planted a dramatic kiss on my cheek. Mwah! Are a fucking genius! The fae in the room responded with shock to this action. I just wiped it off and laughed. Save that shit for Lena. That's gross. Torkin chose this moment to express his opinion, further shocking the fae. I agree, Alfred. That was rather close. You almost got me too. Your pixie speaks without permission? A lesser fae asked, his chief spinning to silence him with a glare. Correction, Torkin spoke. I have permission to speak whenever I want. You give him choice? Asked another. He's a little different from the typical pixie, I offered. May I see him? Atanyui asked, holding out his hand. I took Torkin from my shoulder. I could feel that he was nervous, but he looked confident and ready to interact with the other fae. Be nice. He nodded and took off. His speed caught the older man off guard. He blinked a few times, stunned at how quickly my pixie had made it to his palm. He slowly held Torkin up to examine him, turning his palm like a little stage. Atanyui shook his head. Sadness had fallen on his face. This poor beast is as damaged as you are, your majesty. I felt my mood change and saw the man flinch at almost the same instant. As I rose my hand for Torkin to return, Atanyui backed up a step, unsure of what I was going to do. Torkin flew to my hand, and I placed him back on my shoulder, smiling at him lovingly. Don't insult my pixie. The last person who did that earned himself a death sentence. And it's going to be carried out by your queen, Torkin added, his personal offension seasoning the words. Alfred, John... I turned my smile to the alarmed humans. I think I'm going to go for a walk. Later, dude, Alfred responded. Don't get eaten. The only thing I'm scared of on this island is your morning breath. I chuckled and turned to go. Your Majesty, Atanyui stepped towards me. Torkin responded by flying off of my shoulder, blue energy radiating from his palms. 
Natanui stopped in his tracks. I meant no offense. I care deeply for my pixie. I addressed him. He's not a creature I keep to do me favors. He's my friend. You've seen my soul. Does it not make sense that I should have a pixie of similar experience? Yes. He spoke sincerely. I've never seen such sadness. I didn't know how to respond. My anger abandoned me, and I saw his tension release. Torkin, come. My pixie obeyed, and we left. Well, that was a great debut as their king. I groaned in frustration, suddenly realizing I was wearing gray sweatpants and a black t-shirt. I must have looked like an entitled, spoiled brat. Could have gone worse, Torkin offered. I think the beach would be a good choice, Owen. Your emotions are all over the place. Wandering around an unfamiliar jungle island with your current mindset would not be wise. My thoughts are beyond scrambled today. It was true. I couldn't go more than two minutes without thinking about Ada. Maybe lying in the sand would be a good idea. It was. The warmth of the sand and sun was relaxing. The others knew I was struggling, so they left me alone, splashing in the water and building sandcastles. After an hour of forcing my mind to be quiet, I sat up, shaking the sand from my hair. I was bored. Lena and Esta were splashing around in the water, and it looked fun. I stood to join, pulling my shirt off and tossing it beside the pile of clothes my friends had already discarded. I heard a little gasp and turned to see a small orange pixie floating behind me. She held a rolled-up note. Her little face was full of terror, the same expression each of my friends had made when they first saw my scars. I smiled kindly at the little creature. Is that for me? She nodded and extended the letter to me. I took it and held out my hand for her to land upon. Don't worry, little one. They don't hurt anymore. She nodded, tears in her pretty little red eyes. I set her on my shoulder as I read the note. A smile played at my lips as I turned to her. You can tell him I'll be there. She popped into the air, a happy smile on her little face. She bowed and took off. I looked around for Torkin, surprised he hadn't caught the little pixie before she'd gotten that close. I noticed that Carlin was also missing from the beach now. The two of them were off somewhere having mischievous fun. I tucked the note into my shirt and headed for the water. Are you just going to stare at it, or are you going to get in here? Esta taunted from several yards off the shore. How deep is it? I asked. It's the ocean, Owen. Lena laughed as she treaded water. I can't swim, I admitted. Mm, but I have an idea. I formed a round barrier around myself and rolled it out onto the water, falling several times as the waves bounced my giant air-filled ball around. Lena and Esta enjoyed watching me struggle to roll it over the water's uneven surface, laughing and screaming their encouragements. I ended up laughing hysterically at my own awkwardness and losing control of my energy, plunging into the water. We were only a few yards out, but the water was deep. The island's shoreline made a drastic drop into the deep ocean rather quickly. As I sank, I spotted something of interest and smiled. 
making a series of platforms to climb until I was able to pop my head out of the water. Hoo-hoo! <laughs> that was dumb! I laughed as I surfaced. No kidding! Lena sighed with relief. You okay? Yeah, I reassured her. Have you guys seen what's on the ocean floor? Uh, no, Lena said sarcastically. I don't sink like a rock. Come here. I urged her and Esta to stand on my platform with me. I'll show you. Curiosity got the better of them, and they climbed on. I made the platform into a box and pushed it below the surface. Both of them gasped when we made it to the ocean floor. We need to explore that, Esta exclaimed, pressing his face up against my barrier like a small child in an aquarium. I wonder if Alfred's dad has any scuba gear, Lena pondered. Or I could just raise it to the surface, I suggested, and they both screamed in delight. Okay, good grief. No need to deafen me. This is a small box. I raised our cube and made a pathway for myself to walk on just above the water. When I made it to the shipwreck, I closed my eyes to concentrate. I raised our cube and made a pathway for myself to walk on just above the water. When I made it to the shipwreck, I closed my eyes to concentrate, holding my hands out, palms down. I found the ship and slowly began to lift it, careful not to disturb the area around it too much. When it surfaced, I slowed the pace even more, not wanting to trap any wildlife inside. Within 15 minutes, the wooden ship bobbed happily on the ocean's surface. Esta and Lena climbed onto the platform with me. We were about to move forward when I heard a commotion from the shore. I turned to see the others waving. With a smile, I extended the path to them, laughing as they excitedly ran out to join us. Even the vampires had come out to check out the ship. We spent several hours combing through it for hidden treasure and playing pirate. It was fun to act like the youths we were. Hey guys! I called out to my rambunctious friends as the sun started to go down. They stopped to look at me. I'd love to keep messing around on this thing, but I'm kind of tired from holding it up. Can I put it back now? Yeah, Alfred smiled. Why didn't you say something sooner? Because we were having fun, I laughed. I extended the path for them. The setting sun created beautiful splashes of color reflecting everywhere on the water's surface. It looked like they were walking on gold. I resank the ship as they headed to shore. Once I felt it settle into its place on the ocean floor, I opened my eyes. Something told me I needed to look down. The sight before me startled me greatly, and I almost lost control of my platform. Beneath my feet was the face of a beautiful woman. Her amber hair fanned out in the water. The remaining sunlight glinted off the golden scales of her fish-like tail. As I looked at the one below me, another siren climbed onto the platform behind me. I shrank it, sending her back into the water. Fear didn't even begin to describe the feeling I felt. Sirens were the one creature that held allegiance to no one, not even their own kind. If hungry enough, They'd turn on each other and eat the weakest member of their pods. They weren't there to say hello. They were there to eat me. Owen! I heard Torkin call from above. Protect the others! I commanded. I've got this. I felt his hesitation, but he obeyed. 
To be honest, I had no idea how I was going to get out of this, but I didn't need to worry him as well. Hello, ladies. What can I do for you? Would you like to go for a swim? One leaned her torso on my platform seductively. The water is so nice. No, thank you. I was racking my brain for facts about these beasts and wishing I hadn't expended so much energy on the damn boat. I'd much rather go back to shore. I tossed up a few short barriers to keep them from swiping at my legs. If I wasn't so tired, I would have just levitated my platform to shore. As it was, I was struggling to keep the thing intact. You're very impressive. Another one called from behind me. We could feel your energy in the deep. What are you? Yet another one. There were at least five now. You smell a fae, but you look human. If I tell you, will you still eat me? I was buying time at this point. They all giggled. Some twirled their hair, other pushed their naked chests toward me. In that instant, the text came back to me. Sirens couldn't lie, so they'd resort to flirting to distract their prey. Stun spells were effective on a few, but a pod on the hunt could rarely be dissuaded. I looked about and saw several more swimming nearby. Great. Just fabulous. I had accidentally summoned a whole pod of carnivorous sea beasts and didn't have the courtesy of providing myself with the ability to escape from them. Just my luck. I let my energy into my palms and they swam away from the platform. I tried to form another barrier and walk back to shore, but they started ramming it, treating it like a small boat. Nasty little things were smart. I looked up and saw Torkin blasting several of the beasts away from the shoreline. Mora and Skiff were helping him as the others watched me in horror. Now ladies, I said quietly, please don't make me have to kill you. A larger one surfaced, a wicked fanged grin on her face. You're too weak. Now which is it? I asked, watching them circle me. Am I impressive or weak? The big one chuckled. Both. We've watched you for most of the day. We know you don't have much left in you. But you would make a delightful dinner. Faye is so rare to find these days. It's sweet that you want to take me to dinner. I checked my soul to see if I could handle what I was about to do. But I'm spoken for, ladies. Married men taste better, another one said. They're sweet with love. I'm afraid I'll be leaving now. I crouched, pressing my palms into my platform. You have nowhere to go. The big one chose that moment to leap from the water at me. I remember hearing a scream from the shoreline as the beast knocked me into the ocean. As the pain from its bite ripped through my shoulder, I released the remains of my energy into the water. A powerful green shockwave burst from me in every direction as I began to sink. As I lost consciousness, I could see Ada's terrified face. She was waiting for me, and I was dying. How fun. I woke on shore, coughing up water as John compressed my chest. Son of a bitch, kid! He exclaimed with a hearty laugh. <laughs> you had us worried! Someone helped me roll onto my side as I continued to vomit salty brine. My pixie. Where was my pixie? 
right where he should be, hovering above me and yelling at me. Could you please stop putting yourself in so much danger? I'm too old for this stress. You're going to give me a heart attack. No more ocean, no more beach, no more anything. You're grounded. Do you hear me? How could I not? I croaked. My chest was on fire. Torkin, you're so loud. He landed before me, his little face streaming with tears as he stared at me angrily. I smiled and offered him my hand. He chose to fly into my chest instead, wanting a hug. I embraced him as I sat up, surprised to see far more than my friend group gathered on the beach. You okay? Alfred asked, pointing to the fresh bite mark on my shoulder. No, Torkin answered for me without looking up. He needs anti-venom before his arm falls off. Can't heal it? Carlin asked. I concentrated, my head dizzy from the previous exertion and lack of oxygen. The wound wouldn't respond. I shook my head and the leprechaun sighed. <sighs> well, crap. How do we get an antivenom? Torkin sniffed, wiped his tears, and entered teacher mode as he left my embrace to boss his students around. Esta, fetch me one of the dead ones. I need the venom gland behind their teeth. Be careful. I don't want to patch you up too. Alfred, go find Wolfsbane, Devil's Tongue, and Forsyth. Mora, I need you to slow the spread. They all snapped into action. The onlooking Fay stared at my pixie in amazement. They'd clearly never seen anything like him. John, Torkin turned his attention to the adult. I need a cauldron and a neutral base solution. He then spoke to the Fay closest to him. What's the most energy-packed fruit on this island? Uh, there's a nani tree nearby. The young girl looked very uncomfortable to be taking orders from a pixie. It should have some ripe fruits, though it doesn't taste very good. He'll eat it without complaint. Torkin glared at me, still very mad that I had managed to endanger myself yet again. Won't you? I smiled weakly and nodded. Mora, I whispered. I'm not sure what you're doing but I can't feel my fingers. I can't concentrate when you're talking. She smiled, but her tone was serious. Atanyui sent several onlooking fae to gather their fruits before approaching me, watching as Torkin zipped around barking orders and mixing ingredients. He's extraordinary, isn't he? I sounded awful, and my throat hurt. Why wasn't he by your side? Atanyui asked, confusion evident in his features. I needed him to protect my friends. I glanced over at Mora, who met my gaze, offering a small smile in return. He was really helpful. Most of our friends need a conduit to cast their magic. Mora spoke quietly, trying not to lose her focus. And their wands are in the house. Fascinating. Matanyui continued to watch my pixie flit about. His personality is so adapted. Of course... I should expect nothing less than extraordinary from our king's familiar. Royals have always managed to find exceptional pixies. May we talk more about this tomorrow evening? I recalled his invitation to dine the local fay that had been delivered to me earlier in the day. Of course. John arrived with a small cauldron filled with a foul-smelling paste. I have been instructed to dress the bite with this. Push it into the punctures, Torkin flitted about, nervously inspecting my arm. Or it's pointless. Master Torkin, 
My choice to address him by his title further shocked Atanui and other nearby fae. I thought your speciality was beasts. I had no idea you were a potions expert. Use your brain for once, Torkin spat. I've only lived with Mistress Malia for sixteen years. If you think I didn't read her potions books, you're as daft as your last assignment suggests. Many of the fae whispered about how rude he was. I thought it was funny. Hey, I feigned offension. I worked hard on that. Could have fooled me. He shrugged his tiny shoulders and placed his little hand stubbornly on his hips. I'm not sure what text you used for information, but boggarts do not live in wardrobes. As their name clearly suggests, they live in bogs and swamps. <laughs> Seriously? Mora laughed, judging me. I wondered how long it was going to take you to get to that paper. I grinned. You're the slowest grading teacher in the school. More murmurs from the Fae. I wanted them to know just how talented my pixie really was. There weren't as many ripe nani as I'd hoped. We had to run to the storeroom. Thank you. I offered her a thankful smile, grabbing a rambutan from the basket as she set it down. After a few treats, I started to feel less drained. The more I pushed my human soul aside, the easier it was for me to see just how truly fey I was. As I sat there listening to Atanui and John discuss the rareness of siren sightings on the island, I thought about my childhood. I had always gravitated towards fruits and vegetables, eating them first and then struggling to consume whatever meat was on my plate. Father had changed my diet to include more meat and less fruits after I'd shown my abilities. Torkin noticed that my movements had paused, a banana centimeters from my lips, my distant gaze worrying him. What's wrong? he asked quietly. My father tried to kill me in so many ways, I whispered, and I never knew. The pixie fluttered awkwardly, unsure of what to say. To my surprise, he chose to shove the banana into my mouth. Eat. I obeyed. Once the beach was clear of siren corpses, the fae headed to their homes and we to our rooms. I was full of fruit and completely exhausted, so the others didn't question my desire to go directly to bed. As soon as my head hit the pillow, I was asleep. Ada awaited in the darkness, sobbing. When she saw me, she rushed to meet me, leaping into my arms. I thought you were dead! <laughs> no, my love. I held her breathing in her intoxicating aroma, just a little battered. <laughs> what happened? She hiccuped, wiping her tears on her robe. I noticed she wore pajamas beneath it tonight. Would you believe me if I told you I met a siren? I smiled down at her, trying to make light of the situation. It bit you? She lightly touched the bandage, worry present on her lovely face. Yes. I sighed. Torkin patched me up, though. I'm fine, I promise. She gently ran her hand down my chest and over my abs, resting her palm above the waistline of my sweats, her little finger just below the band. Her touch made me moan. I wanted her, but I didn't have the energy. Even here, in this dream world of ours, I was exhausted. She could feel it. Ada smiled up at me, gently kissing my jaw before resting her face in the crook of my neck. I believe our bonding time was interrupted last night.
I held her tightly, enjoying the feel of her in my arms. That was awful. <laughs> no kidding. She allowed her other hand to explore my back, her fingers softly tracing each scar they lighted upon. Torkin told me about these, and how you got them. Do they hurt? Sometimes. I admitted. Not as bad as being away from you, though. I kissed her hair, breathing her in. Everything about her was perfect. Her scent, her height, her skin, her personality. Even her tragic life meshed perfectly with my own. My queen. I whispered, kissing her hair again. Yes. She gazed up at me. Her power-drained, gray-green eyes that I had once thought were so beautiful now reminded me of the bastard that likely laid beside her in this very moment. My king. I love you, I whispered before claiming her mouth in mine. I finally understood how she had been so mature when we first met. Now that my true self had been awakened, I didn't feel like a 16-year-old boy anymore. I felt like a full-fledged adult who had been held prisoner for centuries, finally allowed to live. Reading that Faye matured quickly in mental and emotional capacity was far different than actually experiencing it. She giggled and stroked my jaw tenderly. I love you too. I liked that I made her smile. I wanted to do it again. I never wanted a frown to adorn her beautiful lips. She deserved happiness. I need to feel you, Ada. I reached for the hem of her pajama top, desiring that euphoric feeling that contact with her skin would produce. To my shock, she backed away from me, pushing my hand away. The action hurt me. It felt like she was rejecting me as her mate. I reached for her again, my entire being desperate to close the gap between us, but she backed away once more. I allowed my outstretched hand to fall to my side as I searched her face for an explanation. She just said she loved me. Why was she denying me? He knows. Ada couldn't meet my gaze. Not that it's you, but that I found my mate. I couldn't hide my pain this morning. He... He... She struggled to tell me what he'd done to her. Knowing now that her pajamas concealed injuries, I closed the gap between us and ripped her shirt open. The bruises I found made my blood boil. I gently traced the black, blue, and purple marks that decorated nearly every inch of her torso. She could feel my anger. Owen... This is nothing new. He's done this to me since I was small. I can handle it. Show me the rest. I knew the bruises didn't end there. She sighed, but obliged, revealing her blackened hips and legs. I pulled her close to me, giving her what little energy I could to help heal the wounds. Oh, and no! He can feel it! You're just giving your energy to him, remember? I ceased the action instantly, releasing a frustrated growl into her hair. I'll kill him. And me in the process. She cried into my chest. I hate this. I hate him. 
I hate that this is the only place we can be together. Bond with me, Ada. I begged. I don't care if he can feel it. I want the son of a bitch to know that you're not his property. You still have the power of choice, Ada. I want to, Owen. She cried harder. I want it so bad. But I can't put you at risk like that. I'm not accepting that. I extended my soul to her, desperately searching for hers. I will not allow him to continue hurting us. We're not weak, Ada. We're Fay. We're royal Fay. He should bow before us. She kept her soul hidden from me, searching my determined face through her tear-filled eyes. What are you planning? I have no plan. I lied. But I'll make one. Just give me time. Bond with me, my queen. So I can at least be with you in some form until I figure this out. We both know these dreams aren't enough. She drew in a steadying breath and nodded. Her soul's light shone dimly in the darkness compared to my own. No wonder she was scared. Cyprian had drained her of nearly all her magic. This explained why I'd never seen her perform more than simple charms or examples of linkages during class. Anything more would have killed her. I allowed my soul to envelop hers, carefully bonding her to what was left of my human soul, mixing in just enough fey energy to conceal the truth. Her weakened state made it easy. By trying to control her, Cyprian had given me the perfect opportunity to break his talismans. Once the bond was complete, she fell into me, panting from the use of her magic. I reveled in the intensity of the new connection. I could feel everything she felt. The soreness of her wounds, the intense love and fear she was experiencing for me. I hoped she could feel my love for her. I can, she whispered. Every inch of her was shaking. I kissed her deeply quickly placing barriers in my thoughts while she was distracted. She couldn't know what I was planning. I pulled back and gazed down at her. She smiled up at me, reaching for my jaw again. Her body stiffened, and she groaned in frustration. I have to go. I kissed her once more, and then she was gone. I left the void and woke myself. It was the earliest morning hour. I stared up at the ceiling, a smile creeping onto my face as I realized I could still feel her. I wasn't sure how I knew. But I knew she was getting ready for a shower, and that she planned to spend the day grading papers. Mine. I sent the feeling to her. A few seconds later, I got my response. As you are mine. I closed my eyes and allowed sleep to consume me. The next day, I noticed that no matter where I traveled, a group of wild pixie hovered nearby. While at the Fey village, I decided to ask Atanyui about it. He eyed Torkin, who was currently munching on a giant brightly colored beetle, and then smiled. It's a band of unmated females. Torkin's crunching slowed, and his ears cocked back towards us. He was pretending not to listen. They've taken notice of your pixie. I wouldn't be surprised if one approaches him. 
The bonded pixies haven't been able to stop talking about him either. Even the males seem to admire him. I was trying not to laugh at Torkin's obvious blush. What do you think of that, Torkin? He stopped munching altogether, but didn't face me. Instead, he faced the group of females and hissed. Several of them flew off in a hurry. A few remained, and he flew at them with hostility. They scattered, except for one. The bright orange creature matched his intensity, stopping him mid-flight. He studied her for a moment, hissed again, then flew back to his meal. Well, that was rude, Atanui mumbled. Even if I wanted a mate, Torkin spoke through his mouth full of bug bits. We can't take a pixie home with us, especially an unbonded one. I frowned. Right, looks like he's messing with both of our love lives. At least he's not going to eat Ada, Torkin grumbled, looked at the remains of his beetle, and chucked it angrily off the table. Eat? Atanui asked. I explained the elixir Cyprian used, and Atanui's face became ashen. Little one, he asked Torkin. How often must he consume this elixir? Daily, he growled. One pixie makes enough elixir for a week. And he's consumed it for the last fifty years? Atanui was doing the math. No wonder pixie populations have dropped in the mainlands. Are there others doing this? It's an illegal potion, I offered. So it's not common practice, but I'm sure there are others. Things like that fall through the cracks. The female pixie that had challenged Torkin came up to study him, and we watched with interest. Torkin ignored her, or at least he tried to, as she circled him. She was a pretty thing, bigger than the others in her group, probably older. Her long orange hair nearly met her ankles, and her translucent red wings glimmered as she walked around him. He refused to look at her. When she touched his wings, he snapped at her, and she giggled neutralizing his fire instantly. He blinked a few times, then sat back down and began cleaning his wings, effectively ignoring her. She didn't like this. Her solution to get his attention was to come see me. I held out my hand to her, and she landed gracefully. What's your name, little one? She tilted her head in confusion, and I realized she didn't speak English. Torkin was glaring at me. She knows no language other than Pixie, Atanui offered. She's wild. I wonder if Ada would like you, I asked aloud, but also internally, allowing my piece of Ada's soul to touch the little creature. The Pixie responded instantly, searching for the woman she felt but couldn't see. Ada responded as well. She's lovely, Owen, I sighed. Well, that settles it then. Settles what? Torkin flew up to the female, looking her up and down with jealousy, and shoved her from my hand. Atanui. I ignored Torkin's panic. Could you protect this one? When the chaos is over, we'll come back for her. Yes. He said slowly, studying me with wonder. You're so... intriguing, your majesty. You're not mated. Yet you're bonded. 
I understand why, given your situation, but I've never seen it done before. It must be very painful. You have no idea. I sighed, watching my pixie study the female from afar as she flitted about nearby, disoriented and confused by her inability to find Ada. You promise we'll come back? Torkin whispered, his eyes so hopeful. Have I ever lied to you? I watched his eyes dart between myself and the female. <laughs> Go. He needed no more permission. Torkin darted off my palm, stopping centimeters away from the little fireball. His sudden interest snapped her out of her daze, and she smiled at him, speaking quietly in pixie tongue. Torkin must have liked what she said, because he looked back at me, a giant smile plastered on his face, before taking off with her into the trees. Atanui and I laughed at their antics. I won't see him for the rest of the trip, will I? Considering how free-spirited he is, Atanui chuckled, probably not. Fire and ice, I sipped my juice. That should produce something of interest. Likely a woodland-type pixie, Atanui said with certainty. When opposing elements mix like that, it's because there's an imbalance. Pixie souls depend on balance. I'm actually quite happy you've brought him here. Our pixies have been suffering from a lack of variety in genetics on the island. Torkin is strong. His offspring will be too. For some reason, I cringed. I really don't want to think about that. Atanui laughed. It's because he's close to you. He'll have the same reaction to you and your mate talking about children, even though he'll love them just as much as he loves you. My time on the island was spent mostly with the Fae from that point on. My friends understood and encouraged it. I discovered that this group of Fae had sent half their population to the mainland at my grandmother's insistence. They had been close to her village, through trade with the past queen, and desired new families to expand. Many of Atanui's kin had married into families there, including his daughter, Tepiru. After their deaths, he'd been desperate to move his people far from the area, fearful of my father's army. John had been more than delighted to have a group of fae on his island, especially one that knew the friends he'd lost. His initial hostility towards me was fully justified. He was probably worried I would bring harm to the fae here as well. Be leery of the royal family, my king, Atanui warned. They're horrible, deceitful people. I laughed heartily, realizing that none of my newly purchased loungewear bore the royal crest. My father, yes, but there is hope in my brothers for peace. What? Atonui's eyes nearly popped from his head. I'm the third son of King Arthur Aisley, I responded. How? He searched my face for a lie. After explaining who my mother was, he hugged me, tears streaming down his face. Learning that my mother had been forced to marry my father brought him great distress. When it was time to leave, Torkin returned to my side, clinging to my clothing to keep himself from flying back to his mate. I didn't blame him one bit. Do you want to stay? Are you insane? He snapped. I can't stay. Not only would being away from you hurt me, Cyprian would launch an investigation to find out where I went. You'd be safe here, 
I encouraged, almost wanting him to take the offer. He looked back at his mate, who hovered a few yards away. I beckoned her over, but she refused. They'd obviously discussed this. I tried again, but this time she shook her little head violently and took off. She knows we're coming back. She'll be okay, Torkin whispered. As for me, I've dodged Cyprian for nearly two decades. I'll be fine. If you say so. I picked up my duffel bag and stepped onto the boat with the others, waving goodbye to our new friends from the deck. So, Esta eyed my disgruntled pixie. What's her name? Seve. Torkin stared longingly at the island as it grew smaller. She's pretty, Emily offered kindly. Tell me, Alfred leaned down, eye level with Torkin. Are you going to be a dad by the time we come back? Master Gurn? Torkin roared. That is none of your business. Our friends laughed, but I gently pried him from the fabric of my clothes and tucked him into the inner pocket of my waistcoat. Leave him be. This isn't easy for him to do. I could feel his confliction. Alfred mumbled an apology, as did the others. This concludes chapter 19 of The King's Secret. I hope you enjoyed this reading, and I hope you'll return for chapter 20. Have a wonderful week, and I will see you all next time. Bye-bye.